Thank you for listening to this gospel resource from Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. Feel free to use or share this resource, but we ask that you not alter the content in any way. For more information about Cornerstone Baptist Church, please visit us at cornerstonewiley.org. So these are, both lessons are being recorded. They're on our website if you miss one or want to, want to hear it. <clears throat> so last week we um, went through the outline of Proverbs and looked at the authorship and mainly looked at, uh, at King Solomon, a little bit about his life. That's going to come up more and more as we, uh, as we work through the book. And so today we're actually going to get into the text. I'm so excited to finally, finally be there. We're going to work through... Um, what we call the prologue, uh, verses 1 through 7. And if we get through that, then we'll move on toward uh, the rest of chapters 1 through 9. So let's uh, pray and ask God's blessing and help today. Father, I thank you for your word that you've given to us. Thank you that we hold these, hold your word in our hand, either in our lap or in our in our devices. So we thank you for your word, uh, the living and active word of God. And so we pray today you minister to us by it, by your spirit. Uh, we thank you that it's to equip us uh, for good works and for <clears throat> uh, for living a life that's pleasing in your sight. And not by our own power or authority, but by the power of your spirit that lives within us. So I thank you for each person that's here today. I thank you that you know all of us intimately, you know our needs and our desires. So we pray that today uh, you would minister to us, that we would find our hope and our rest in your grace and in Christ alone. And we pray in his name. Amen. So we're going to pick up at the bottom of this page uh, the, the prologue of Proverbs uh, ver- chapter 1 verses 1 through 7 what we're going to see is we get in and we saw this last week but just kind of a reminder to you uh, looking at the outline of Proverbs uh, chapters um, 1 through 9 are, are an introduction to the book hey, Dan are we looking at the bottom of the page from yesterday last week uh-huh. okay yeah. on the front correct yeah. okay yeah, where it says uh, the prologue of the book of Proverbs. So chapters one through nine uh, really do serve as an introduction to the book, and we'll talk more about how how chapters one through nine are unique compared to the rest of the, the book. We've done that a little bit, <clears throat> but let's look now at the prologue, which is verses one through seven, which I guess you'd say is an introduction to the introduction. But it's very, very clearly set, uh, set apart. So, notice. Um, <laughs> notice verses two and three. We, I think, we can say we covered verse one last week, talking about uh, Solomon. Verses two and three. Uh, notice uh, have four infinitives which really I think Solomon is giving us a definition of wisdom. As we're seeing, wisdom is not just simply uh, one clear focus. Um, 
it's much more than that. And so he gives us these four uh, these four infinitives, and I think they form a bit of a definition. They form a bit of what he wants to do, what his purpose is in uh, writing this book. So let's read uh, two and three. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So there's our four, four points to help us get, get started here. <clears throat> it's been really instructive to me as I've studied this book again um, in a different way. I've studied it before, but always just did a topical study. You know, here's all the verses on the tongue. Here's all the verses on parenting. Here's all the verses on work. And, and we're going to have to do some of that when we get to chapter 10. Um, but here's the thing that, that got my attention in this, uh, in this study, looking at the whole book and seeing the structure that, that by God's Spirit he used to use other people besides just Solomon to put the book together. We looked at that uh, last week. And that is this, that um, wisdom instructs us in two ways. Wisdom instructs us with guidance and principles and direction. But what we're going to see today is really, I think, uh, helpful to me. And that is that wisdom instructs us with uh, reproofs and correction. And you can just do your own autobiography about that, or maybe with your children, and realize how often God brings, or parents bring, uh, reproof and correction as a way to guide, uh, to guide us in wisdom. And to, to see that, look at verse 2. To know, and I'm not going to dig into each word. Um, I looked at all the Hebrew definitions. Some, some were... We're enlightening some. The words pretty much mean what we understand them to mean. But look at um, the first infinitive in verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction. And you can see in your note that I pulled out that, um, that technical definition. And it really is clear that, that this word means correction or, uh, or discipline. Can you think of a, I, I've thought about it myself, so I've had time to think about it, but can you think of a time in your life when you gained wisdom because of a reproof or a correction in your life? You might not want to share it with us, but uh, just think about that for a minute. You mean just today, the ones I did? <laughs> just, just on the way to church, how was it? Yeah. <laughs> They're not pleasant times, are they? Uh, when, when an authority rebukes us. I remember a couple of times in the ministry that I just have completed 37 years with. Ooh, boy, a couple of times I disappointed my supervisor. And uh, he's, a, he's a full full colonel in the U.S. Army. So, boy, he brought the weight of, uh, of a court-martial on me a couple of times. And I didn't enjoy it at all, but, but looking back, I saw those were um, life-changing occasions for me 
Um, and by God's grace, I was, I didn't like it, and it took me a while, but I was able to receive the reproof and instruction, and they were life-altering, life-changing events for me. The, we're going to see this uh, real clearly, in, I hope, in a few minutes, but as far as I can understand in the reading I've done so far in this study, that it, it don't hold me to this, but I think it may be that the clearest characteristic of a fool is someone that does not receive instruction or reproof. They just, now there's, we're going to look at, I think, five different kind of fools. Uh, four of them are mentioned by name in the book of Proverbs, another one is in another place. But we're going to, and they ramp up. They start with the, with the simple kind of innocent fool, and then they ramp all the way up. In fact, you'll know the last one, the, the most serious one, is uh, Nabal. Remember Nabal? Uh, what was it, who was his uh, wife? Got to go all the way back to David. Abigail. Yeah, Abigail. Uh, boy, it's a good thing he had a good wife because he was in big trouble. Because uh, we won't go into the story. But the word Nabal actually means fool. I mean, it, and it is the highest degradation of the list of fools. But he started out being a fool, then. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Say that again, Elaine. He started out being a fool from the very beginning. He did. In fact, I think either his wife or somebody said he's just like his name. You know, he's a, he's a, probably she didn't say that. She was very respectful and very concerned. But anyway, here's, you just think about this, and, and this will come up so many times in the book of Proverbs. Fools just, they're running down the, down the, the speedway of life, and they're heading toward a, a bridge that's out or a cliff that's, that's gone, and uh, they see the warning signs, and they just, maybe the warning signs are in, this, in the roadway and they just blow through them uh, to their own destruction. And that's a, that's a fool. Um, so we're going to see that in just a few minutes that, that again, that, that wisdom instructs us with, with guidance and principles, kind of what we normally think of the, the Proverbs, but then in some ways even more so with uh, correction and reproof. And that's why Folks, wisdom is not primarily learning a list of principles and ideas and lining our lives up for them. It is that, but it is much more than that. It's a heart issue, and we're going to see that again and again. So I just wanted you to see that. Maybe just look at a couple of verses and to see the illustrated. Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15, 5. I didn't look at this particular word, but I have an idea it's the same word, verse 15, verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. So this kind of, this kind of information, this kind of observation will, will come up all through this, uh, through this study. Okay, let's go back to uh, chapter 1 and keep working through our... our um, our infinitives here. So to know wisdom, back in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. And I think the, we're going to see this word again, I think, in a few moments. But notice what, notice Solomon's purpose here, uh, to know wisdom and instruction. And then he recognizes there's a need, not just to know these principles and these ideas, but to have 
understanding and insight about those principles and ideas. Hang on to that thought and you'll see it more clearly in just a moment. And then uh, verse 3, to receive instruction. There's our word again. It really could, it could accurately be, um, be translated as um, correction or even chastening, like a parent chastening a, a child. To receive instruction in wise dealing. And wise dealing just means uh, the practical outworking of life. In fact, I've been reading lots of different authors and scholars and Proverbs, and uh, some have pointed out that um, wisdom has the idea of skill, and so in some ways wisdom is just skillfully responding to and uh, entering into all the specific situations in life. But then, also at the end of verse 3, in righteousness, justice, and equity. And uh, some of the scholars here point out that this is royal language, that this is what a king does. Look, uh, I think I have a... Yeah, look at 8, chapter 8, Proverbs 8, and verse 15. So this is... um, Chapter 8 is one of wisdom's... Wisdom's actually speaking here, personified as a as a lady, we call her Lady Wisdom. So in chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, by me kings reign and rulers decree what is just, by me princes rule and nobles all and nobles all who govern justly. So there, there's some idea, and we talked about this a little bit, that, uh, that, that this book is focused on maybe kind of the royal upper class of, uh, of Israel and just think about who Solomon says this is to, is to his son which his most immediate son, you know, was uh, Rehoboam who, or who really messed up with this, you know, just this whole idea of, of wisdom but there's some idea that, I mean there's some thought that um, that and I think there's some, some evidence of this in the structure that the book of Proverbs is a manual for kings, for leaders to be able to lead well. And you can see those three words there at the end of chapter 3, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So maybe that's just an an idea that uh, gives us a little bit of an idea maybe who some of the the, uh, audiences are intended. And then um, verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion uh, to the youth. And again, this is just the ability to, to read a situation, to be prudent and understanding in the situations that are ahead of us. So I'm going to go back to verse 4 and now look at the intended uh, recipients of the wisdom of the book um, of Proverbs. And what we're going to see in these next uh, four verses is I think there's three audiences that, that um, Solomon intends. The first is the, you can kind of put them together, simple and youth. Then there's the people that are already on, their, on the pathway of wisdom. And then uh, there's the fool. So let's look at this uh, for just a minute. The intended recipients, the simple and the young. 
the simple and the young. Um, what does it mean to be simple? If someone's a simple person, what does that mean? Alex, you gonna dull? Dull, okay, maybe so. Plain. Plain, okay, all right. Unintelligent. Unintelligent, okay, good. Well, in the book of Proverbs, uh, the simple are, are uh, naive. Naive, naive. They're, uh, what's another word for, other, what are synonyms for naive? Ignorant, okay. Uh, gullible, they don't have a good filter, they're not, they're not wise yet. And that's why Solomon wants to get to this group. They, they uh, uh, notice verse four, prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So I think when you put these two groups together, these are simple young people. And it seems from my understanding here that these are not little, little baby children. These are young men, and I think we can broaden it out to young ladies too, that are adolescent, kind of what we call them adolescent, and they are um, they're beginning to enter into the marrying age. And so that's why you have so much here about for, well, for guys about the right kind of uh, woman to be associated with and that kind of thing. But, um, but, but Solomon really wants to reach this group because they're still naive. They're still innocent in the sense, not in the sense that we're all sinful because of our, uh, because of our, our inherent sin and our behavior, but, but they haven't been taken over by, uh, by folly yet. So he really wants to reach uh, reach this group. They're inexperienced. Now they haven't had a lot of reproof yet in their lives. Uh, they're easily persuaded and easily uh, easily deceived. So he wants to reach this. He wants to reach this group, and that's why um, we're going to see if we get to it today, looking at the first nine chapters, that there's eleven times in the first nine chapters that he says, "My son." He's he's referring to this to this. Boy, maybe, but to all you know, all young people that are probably approaching the marrying age, um, but uh, not yet, uh, not yet married. <coughs> but of course, all the wisdom here can uh, can help all of us, uh, whether we're in that age group or not. And then um, notice in verse five that he speaks to the wise. Verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So if they're already wise, why would he address people that are already wise? They would increase their learning. Right. Is, uh, is, I'll just give, give away my answer with my question. Is wisdom a destination or a process? Process. In fact, what is an, what is an evidence of wisdom that we keep on learning? I, I'm using a first-person pronoun. I, uh, I hope I'm one of those, you know, that we, that we keep on uh, learning. Uh, I'm an old guy now, and um, well, I know it is sure for me, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. The scary things are that I don't know what I don't know, and that can be really, uh, really tough. But the wise humbly recognize that they don't know everything. 
And so they need to, they need, we, they, they need to, uh, hopefully we're moving in that right direction, wisdom as a direction of life, that we realize we need to continue to grow and learn um, about wisdom. Now, if you look at the, the, uh, the second handout I gave you, I've listed here called the 14 noetic effects of the fall. Noetic is from a Latin term that means of the mind. And so uh, I have a whole article on this. If you'd like to have it, I'll, I'll send it to you. Let me, let me know. But, uh, I picked this up from a presentation Al Mohler made at the 2010 Desiring God National Conference. So it's 13 years old, but it doesn't matter. So um, the point of the, of the noetic effects of the fall we're talking about uh, Adam's Adam and Eve's sin and their fall, and one of the results of that was that it, it corrupts our mind. And so these are the the effects of the fall on our mind. I'm I'm just going to read them to you. But here, here's the here's the point that wise people realize that they have they have the noetic effect of the fall. Their mind is not all that it ought to be. As you get older, it's real obvious, but all of us should realize that. So just listen, listen to these uh, 14 things, um, and see how they how they may fit fit your experience. Ignorance, distractedness, forgetfulness, prejudice, faulty perspective, intellectual fatigue. Well, I can sure agree to that inconsistencies, failure to draw the right conclusion, intellectual apathy, dogmatism and closed-mindedness, intellectual pride, vain imagination, miscommunication, and parcel language. So wise people have a proper sense of, uh, of self-critique, of self-doubt. Uh, that doesn't mean they can't be confident in you know, what God's Word says and, and in the right position about theology or, uh, or some other belief. But in their, in their own selves, um, they're cautious. And they know, I need to continue to, to grow in wisdom. So that makes us dependent upon God's Word. It makes us dependent upon one another. Or it makes me dependent upon my wife. I, I hope I'm learning this really well. I'll sit in my study and come up with this great idea of something I want to do. And I'll go say, Dixie, what do you think about that? And in her very kind way, she would say, well, you're an idiot if you do that. You know, what knows me? She would never say that. She's very submissive and nice. But she helps me see something I didn't even see. I thought, how, how did I miss that? You know, so guys, listen to that uh, instruction. I, this is a little bit maybe more disclosure than I should. We have a, I'm pointing over here because we have our elders meetings over here, and, and we'll come up with this great wise idea, and uh, we'll take it home to our wives, and they'll say, "What? <laughs> How in the world did you come up with that idea? That you try that, boy, you're going to really cause a problem." And it's interesting. We'd all come back the next meeting and say, "Did you hear? You always sure heard my wife say. Yeah, my wife said the same thing." And blah, blah, blah. Anyway, maybe that's uh, uh, maybe that's wisdom. I hope that it hope that it is. Notice an observation. Anybody? I, 
I need to stop talking, let you talk a little bit. Uh, wisdom from uh, correction and reproof. That's what we're. And and, and uh, a wise a wise person is the opposite of a foolish person. They learn from correction and reproof, um, and they realize they humbly recognize they need to keep on growing, growing in wisdom. That's why we need each other. That's why we need the scriptures. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We're going to see it in a particular way why we need the Lord in that um, in a few minutes. Any other thoughts about correction? This happened to me just Monday night, a week ago. Uh, you may know some of us meet and we're watching videos on counseling, so we're trying to learn about being better counselors and caring for one another. And I'm kind of the, the facilitator of that meeting. And uh, so we watched the video, and, and uh, I had a, just an awesome thought of wisdom about some counseling I'm doing. And I, and, and I was getting ready to, and so I need to email this person and give them some additional insight, my, you know, great insight from their counselor. And, um, and I told the group that thinking, well, they're going to be impressed with this. Cause, and uh, one of the ladies in the meeting said, uh, excuse me, uh, sir, could I uh, maybe add a different perspective on that? She was really proper and, and you know, respectful. And she did. And uh, well, I saw immediately, I didn't get this all right. There's another piece of this information that I needed to have. And I've been thinking about this, and I, and I thought to myself, uh, well, I want to be wise here and listen to what. So the things she shared, well, with the whole group for that matter, uh, it adjusted the way I approached this, uh, this person because she had good biblical wisdom about uh, the situation. So now notice something interesting here. Um, in verse 4, uh, Solomon mentions the young and the simple. And in verse 7, the last part of verse 7, he mentions fools. And he puts the wise right in the middle of that. That's why I'm saying that, he, that, that uh, Solomon is addressing three different groups. The simple and the young as one group. You know, they're ignorant. They're not yet foolish um, and then he addresses the fool by the way he, he doesn't have a lot of advice for fools particularly on that later end because one of the sad uh, one of the sad characteristics of that of that Nabal fool is they don't listen in fact we, you probably can think of some passages some proverbs that said watch out how you answer a fool in fact, he said, some fools you don't even answer because they don't listen. Um, and they'll make you look like a fool if you do try to, try to answer or respond to them. But, um, so he wants to, he, he, he wants to reach the, uh, the simple and the, um, and the youth before they become foolish. And so he puts the wise right in the middle there saying, this is where I want you to go. I want you to be a wise person one that hears and increases in learning, one that understands and obtains uh, guidance. So, now then, just uh, uh, a little bit about some of the various forms and expressions of wisdom in the book. And again, these are not real. I, again, I'm not a Hebrew person, but I can look at Hebrew dictionaries. And, so these words don't really, the, the Hebrew behind them don't give us a whole lot of insight. But uh, the word proverb 
really kind of has the idea of a comparison. That, that's me, isn't it? And that's this. Um, it means a comparison. It compares one thing to another or a contrast. You know, that, a, a proverb is this is like this or a proverb is this is not like this. Uh, we're going to see this in a few minutes. That's the idea of, of uh, Hebrew parallelism that you can interpret a proverb by looking because all proverbs I think we can say are, have two thoughts, two lines and you can look at them and see that, or is, this, is this a comparison or a contrast? We'll see that in just a minute. It helps us understand the truth that is there. But a proverb uh, can sometimes even be translated as a parable, and this is the same concept of the parables of the Lord Jesus. And you just see if I can turn that down a little bit. Okay, is that did I turn it all well off? Can you hear me, Russ? Y'all okay back there? You don't look like you're sure about that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to speak up. I just don't want the roar. Um, we were saying something. Oh, uh, the, 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 the Old Testament Hebrew word for, for parable is the same, uh, is, is often translated in the Greek version of the, Hebrew, of the Old Testament. This, and you can see it as parabole or something like that. It's, it's the word that we use to describe Jesus' parables. And just think of his parables. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like this, or the kingdom of heaven is not like this. So it, that's kind of what that word, uh, what that word means. And then uh, the sayings. Uh, I'm not sure what all that what all that means. Uh, words of the wise. Those are collections. We're going to see several of those collections as we get into the second half of the book. But I want you to look at this word here, this word riddle. Does anybody, anybody this is ESV, and it translates the word riddle. This is the last word in my version in verse 6. Does anybody else have another word besides a riddle? Dark sayings. Dark sayings, okay. All right. Alex, is that what yours? Okay, dark sayings. We can kind of get get the idea of what a riddle is. Uh, but remember Samson, not a wise man, but remember, uh, let's see, he went to his his wedding feast and he told the riddle. Remember that story he had done? It was about a lion and uh, honey. Remember that? He told a riddle. I, I don't think I wrote it down. Anyway, that's what a riddle is, and he used it just for entertainment, you know, to show his superiority over the Philistines. Um, but isn't that interesting? I think that that uh, one of the purposes of the Book of Proverbs is to understand uh, a riddle, a dark saying that has that has some hiddenness to it. Um, look, I found this word also used. Um, Let's see, where is that? Psalm 49. So just turn back to Psalm 49. So Psalm 49. Um, 
think I'll just start at verse 1. We, we're going to read through verse 4. Psalm 49, 1. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants to the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. And then look at verse 4. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. So I think we see some parallelism here in this verse 4. The first phrase says, I'm going to incline my ear to a proverb. So I'm going to listen. I'm going to be attentive to a proverb. And then he gives this interesting kind of additional explanation. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. What in the world is he? Does that mean he's going to sing a song? You know, the lyre is like a harp kind of thing. Well, looking at some Hebrew guys, uh, they say that that what that means is is that he wants to uh, incline his ear to the proverb, I mean, I want to give attentiveness to the proverb, but... Maybe so. Yeah. Try that. Uh, Joshua, thank you. Good. Let's try that. That feels better from here. Then I can hear it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll try to speak up. That's uh, so. So here's the point here. In in the same way that a, a musician that plays a lyre listens closely to the notes, maybe to determine the harmony or you know whatever it may be. Uh, that's how he wants to listen to and incline his ear to a proverb. So what's the point? What's what is what is uh, Solomon trying to say here about wisdom? When he says, we can go back to uh, Proverbs 1. So Proverbs 1, uh, verse 6. To understand the words of the wise and their riddles. What's a couple of things he's saying there about wisdom? Is he saying it's not a passive thing that you have to think about it, you have to put some work into it? I think so. Y'all hear that? Scott said knowing wisdom is not passive. Uh, we have to put some time and energy and, and uh, thought into it. Right. You know, Jesus said that about some of his parables, didn't he? He said, you know, parables are for you that have ears to hear you know, about the truth that's there. So he added this. I mean, this is his last, his last word to us there about it, that uh, and we're going to find that's true, that some of these parables are riddles. Boy, they just don't seem to make any sense at all. And so he's encouraging us to, to think and to listen and to be attentive uh, to, these, to these parables. Okay, well, now verse 7. We've looked at this before, uh, and I, I didn't change my notes. I've got some other thoughts for you about this in verse 7, uh, which is... He, now he's closing out the introduction to the introduction. He's closing out the, the, uh, uh, the prologue with this key concept. And we've looked, we looked at this uh, a couple of weeks ago of the fear of the Lord. And I want us to look at, look at this verse with, uh, 
uh, with the understanding of what is this idea of Hebrew parallelism. And in this verse, um, there's two, two sentences. Is this an example of parallelism where the two sentences uh, agree with each other or contrast with each other? This isn't a hard question. Okay, it's, it's contrast. They contrast with each other. So uh, one of the things we want to do again and again and again in our study of, um, of Proverbs is to use this concept of Hebrew parallelism to understand what the proverb is saying. So let's look at this one. There's, uh, I think we can say there's four pieces. There's two parts in the first statement. There's two parts in the last statement. And so let's contrast them together. Now, let's start maybe with the second, the second part, which is defining uh, a fool. And so, um, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And, and so, what is, the, what is the fool, in the second phrase, the word fool, what's the contrasting person in, um, in the first half of the of the phrase. Those who fear the Lord. Right. So that's the opposite, isn't it? Fools and fools and those that are wise. That, and he's going to set this up all the way through the book. Uh, they're the contrasting ways. Remember Jesus, or remember we looked at this a little bit in the Sermon on the Mount. He closed the Sermon on the Mount with the, the man that built his house on the rock and he was called a wise man and the man who built his house on the sand he was called a foolish man so this is a theme all the way through the, the scripture so um, so what does a fool do he you can just read it there he despises wisdom and instruction why do fools and by the way here's our word again he despises reproof and correction and um, and wisdom so why do fools despise wisdom and instruction? Okay, I think you can't use the same word to answer the question. Yes, I can. Cheyenne, that's right. They don't see a need for it, do they? They say, I've got this figured out. I don't need that. That sounds like... My little friend Sawyer, you know, I don't need any help with this. I know what to do here. That's our grandson. He's almost perfect, but every now and then he trips up. <laughs> Not really. Okay, uh, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about there. So, fools despise wisdom and instruction. They're self-focused. Uh, they don't see a need uh, for any other uh, input from anywhere. And uh, they for sure don't see a need for input from the, from the most important source, and of course that is uh, that is God. Let's see. Um, yeah, I don't have that have that verse. So, um, so what is the opposite of of despising wisdom and instruction? From, from looking at the first phrase, fear the Lord. Yeah, who said that? Oh, okay, Alex. Um, yeah, so that's the that's. The opposite of despising wisdom and instruction is this whole idea of the fear of the Lord. And remember, well, he says it right here, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is where we start. 
our relationship with the Lord is the most important part of this whole uh, this whole understanding of wisdom. We we will not be wise people if we don't have a healthy um, submission to and dependence upon the Lord. Not, there's a wonderful verse, but I didn't write it down. That makes it very clear that uh, that the that God has wisdom and He gives wisdom to those that humbly ask. Of course, that sounds like James one, doesn't it? But but. That's the point that I want us to see in verse 7. We've come back to this, uh, this whole point of the fear of the Lord. I just kind of repeated some of the things that we had said before. But I found a, uh, an interesting article that was really meaningful to me. And it's by a guy that I just and I don't know who he is, but his name is J.A. Metters. And, uh, oh, if, let's see. I did give you the... I don't think I quoted, but two or three weeks ago we looked at at uh, 1 Corinthians 1.24 that says, Christ has become to us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So he wrote an article. Listen to this article. Wisdom is a who more than a what? Wisdom is a who more than a what? So he, he actually... Uh, quotes that verse, 1 Corinthians 1.31, Christ has become to us wisdom from God. Wisdom is more of a who than a what. And he says, uh, this is really, it was really, really helpful to me. Uh, two points in this little article. One is, Jesus lived the Proverbs for us. I had thought about, I had thought about that, thinking about the Psalms, particularly doing some study on the the lament psalms and, and uh, boy those are some really difficult psalms that the psalmist wrote about difficult times and complaining to God and, and uh, some of them are really really tough to read um, but then realizing that that the Psalter was the hymn book of the Lord Jesus too and he he embodied all those psalms um, but it's the same way with the book of Proverbs and, and this fellow points out he said, if you, if you, because the Gospels don't give us every detail about Jesus' life, he said, but if you ever wondered about what Jesus did or didn't do, uh, you can be sure he followed the wisdom of the Proverbs. He, he fulfilled, he kept, he lived um, these Proverbs for us in the same way, and that, that's just an extension of the whole idea is that Christ lived a perfectly righteous life for us in our behalf, so he imputes his righteousness to us. And uh, he makes this point. Um, there, they say, we can say that wisdom is Christ-empowered skill to live for the glory of God. So Jesus lived the Proverbs for us. His second point is this, Jesus lives, this, lives the Proverbs through us. He lives the Proverbs for us in our behalf. So when we hit these problems, we don't know what to do or, or we're failing in, in obeying them. We still need to work on, on that. But we know that the Lord Jesus, did them. He, he applied them perfectly. But then he lives the Proverbs through us. And this is just, uh, he, he quotes uh, Philippians 2.13. It is God who is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So that's why he says that wisdom is not... It, is more of a who than it is what. Let's see if there's any other word there. 
So that brings us back. Uh, we got three or four minutes. Uh, that brings us back to this whole idea that as we look at wisdom and look at, uh, as we looked at a few weeks ago, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, that to the Apostle Paul, the most succinct understanding of the wisdom of God is the gospel, the gospel message. And you say my little quote there from, from a fellow named Michael Reeves, that the cross is the most fertile soil for the fear of God. Because at the cross, uh, that's where forgiveness begins and it liberates us from sinful fear, but, but more than that, it cultivates the most exquisitely fearful adoration of the Redeemer. For the grace of God serves as a breadcrumb trail leading us up from the forgiveness itself to the, to the forgiver. And so this brings me all the way back to this, this whole idea that I've been trying to, to, um, to apply to my life, and that is the best way to know wisdom or to know anything, for that matter, about God is to meditate and preach the gospel to ourselves every day. I think I gave you just, uh, we won't have time to look into this, but the book of Proverbs deals with different relationships. It deals in our relationship with God. It deals with our relationship with ourselves. It deals in our relationship with others, with other people. And it deals with our relationship with our circumstances, the situations. And I picked this up from a, uh, from a biblical counselor. I think I may have footnoted it for you, yeah, Rick Thomas. And, and notice this, in, in this on your... Yeah, it's at the bottom of the back of this page. I just want to finish it so we won't come back to this page again. But he has this interesting way of saying it. We only have four problems in life with God, with ourselves, with others, and then with our circumstances. And notice he's got two laws to describe this, uh, uh, this perspective. One is all of your problems will fit in one of these four categories. That's true, isn't it? Every problem we have will fit into our relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, or with our circumstances. And, um, and the way you resolve those problems uh, is to do it in the right order. So uh, this is a huge thought, and we won't, you'll have to unpack this on your own. But what we do in our culture, and our culture is real bad about this, uh, they, you know, they have some problem in their in their experience, which is number four, and they start there to solve the problem. Maybe they get out of a relationship, or they quit their job, or they take drugs, or something. So I, that's a, the problem is in my experience, so I'm going to deal with that there. Um, but that's a disaster, isn't it? But looking at this, at this philosophy here, which is biblical, says, no, you always start at the top. Uh, husbands, don't you know that's true? When you have a conflict with your wife, you don't start with your wife. You go to your bedroom and get on your knees and say, Lord, how have I messed this up? What's wrong with my relationship with you that I wasn't a good, sensitive uh, husband? So we start in our relationship with God. And, as we, and we do that only through the gospel, only through, only through speaking, only through preaching the gospel of grace to ourselves every day. And, um, and when we do that, that gives us a clear understanding of who God is, or we grow an understanding of God, and then we can see more clearly who we are as people, and then we can see more how to relate to each other, and then we can deal with our circumstances. 
it doesn't mean you get all that done and don't have to go back and do it again. You do it every day, maybe many times during the day. But as we think about um, about wisdom and about working through the book of Proverbs, uh, let's keep in mind that it is only through an understanding of the gospel of the grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ that we will become uh, truly wise. Now, um, we're going to go now, but I gave you a... Here's where we're going to start next week. We're going to begin to look at Proverbs chapters 1 through 9. And so I've given you an outline. There's several different outlines. This is one that's representative. And in these first nine chapters, um, there are 11 11, uh, sections that are the sons instruct, the fathers instruct the sons. And you'll see them. Each one of these verses will start with, Hear my son, my instructions, or listen to me, son. But then wisdom jumps in uh, four times in these first nine chapters. And so we see wisdom personified as a a woman. She's Lady Wisdom. We're going to call her Lady Wisdom. But there's another woman in the story, and we're going to call her Dame Folly. And and so that's compared there. So I just encourage you, over this next week, uh, encourage you to read chapters one through nine. Maybe have this in front of you and notice how, you know, how it goes back and forth. Okay, thank you. Thank you.